So I um, I started writing about 12, 13 years ago. So this is in 2008, right when I was graduating from university. Um, and so I was very interested in pursuing my, uh, my master's in archaeology. So I had a background in anthropology and history, and, and I wanted to sort of pursue my doctorate eventually in anthropology. Um, and unfortunately, at that point, what happened was that my uh, CGPA was actually pretty, pretty, pretty bad. So I was talking to one of, my, one of my professors, and her advice to me was that I could do a bit of extracurricular work and um, essentially build up my resume and then help, she helped me get into a good college. So, so that essentially, that's how my writing mostly started. So I started, so I'm like, I thought about, okay, so I, what I'll do is I'll do some, I'll try to do some internship with some archeologists together, but no, no, nothing really worked out. But so what, what happened was that I was very lucky, fortunate to meet somebody called Iqbal Kesar, who's had a huge impact on my work. He had come to Lums for a particular talk and he's somebody who's not very formally educated, like he's not, not a professor in that sense, but he's somebody who's traveling around Pakistan, exploring Hindu Sikh shrines. And that's something that I wanted to do. I mean, that's one reason why I wanted to be in archeology span was to be physically, so, so not think of history just as what is in the books, but think of history as essentially travel, think of history as being physically in those places. So I just sort of clung on to him and asked him to show me with Pakistan through his sort of view. Um, and we started traveling, I started writing articles and, um, Every other, every other plan that sort of disintegrated. And yes, I really enjoy doing this. And I've been doing it well now for 12 years, 13 years. I love that. One thing that stood out to me was, and I think I've noticed this myself as well, like every single time I've tried to kind of go to a bookstore or a library and kind of look for work that either from folklore or historical perspectives of Pakistan, uh, or even um, really amazing poetry, like well known, like Fez, Iqbal, these kinds of guys you're going to get a translation for. The unfortunate truth with me is I don't read Urdu. And so a lot of the times, but you're not able to kind of see a reference point. And then because we're also at this like precipice where like a lot of people, English though, like a native language, Urdu, Urdu, Punjabi, Sindhi. Uh, uh, and then you're kind of like you're becoming you're in this transition phase where one of the main things that I keep going and, and struggling with is the, the thing that you said about your the the mentor Iqbal Kaiser I think you, you mentioned um, was you know he wasn't an intellectual by learning books but he was an intellectual by experiences and this is a lot of times because of experience and there's that whole wisdom that you know like our parents or parents parents generation have, have lived these lives right the, the unfortunate truth about I think our society and I think you mentioned this and and I, the, the, also the reason why I love your work is like you're putting it in English and people are able to kind of like at least I was able to understand a lot of it um, was we don't have good documentation and it's very difficult cap you know, you happen upon a person like you were able to happen upon. So finding what you really want to find or being able to kind of put yourself in these scenarios and in these situations, you know, you can really absorb everything that is to be learned here. Because I mean, if you look at the different civilizations, you look at the different kind of geographies within Pakistan, it's, it's so diverse. Like Punjab is completely different from Sindh, it's completely different from uh, KP and like all of these, like, there's so much to offer. So how do you, like one, I, I'd love to kind of understand your perspective on how do we change 
uh, or, or do you see a change in the documentation um, of historical kind of references? And a lot of your work was also to like to do with spirituality, um, with with Sikhism, and then folklore. Folklore is, is is something for me that's been like, I mean, Dastan Goi comes from folklore. It comes from Amir Hamza ke jo Dastane thi. Um, and it's so beautiful, and it's it's one of the first kind of you know ways of of storytelling. Like in Jabab like all of the other kind of things that exist, we're kind of losing that. We're losing that the, the beauty of, of folklore that used to be. So how do you I mean I think I've asked way too many questions. I've kind of confused myself as well. But like there's so many things that have happened, right? Like I'd love to kind of get your perspective on one um the documentation side of things and second the evolution of language and 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 folklore that's been going on yeah no i think i think folklore is something that i'm personally very interested in and and i feel like folklore still is is not really understood like what folklore is has to offer like folklore so i for example i'm exploring varishas uh, hiranja for my latest project and the more you get into it, I mean, the, just the depth of history, the, the depth of philosophy, just the depth of gender relations that exists in this small hundred page book is absolutely incredible. And so it can, so that book, for example, Varishas Heer, let's say, can tell you more about Punjab's religiosity and Punjab's history than of course real history books. And, and, and there's a reason for that, right? Because, because our culture, and that's true for most of South Asia. Our, our culture was dominantly oral, like uh, religion, history, philosophy, everything was sort of transferred from one generation to another through this oral culture, which was the sort of bedrock upon which our society was, was yeah. established. But through colonialism, of course, what happens is that the colonial state or the British think of uh, folklore is sort of looked down upon, oral culture is looked down upon and written sources are what are what, what are celebrated, right? So what happens over time is that um, written text about religion, about Islam, about Hinduism, about philosophy, about Sikhism eventually get gain precedence. And over time, what happens is that your native elite who are, who are educated in those educational institutions form, that are yeah. set up by the British um, also sort of adapt uh, or are socialized into that looking down upon folk, looking down upon the shrine culture. Um, among many other things, sort of understanding. So, so, so our understanding of let's say religion, our understanding of Islam, our understanding of Hinduism, Sikhism, and our history is shaped by those colonial narratives, which has now become the dominant. Uh, and folk then almost becomes this island, this uh, this repository of a tradition, which used to be a dominant tradition in Punjab or in South Asia, but has now sort of receded to to the past. So, I think yeah, I think for me, increasingly, what has happened is that. Uh, when, I, when, when I was initially doing sort of my work, so I was I was approaching these things from that, of course, this educated colonial mindset, uh, post-colonial, the idea that Hinduism, kya hai, Sikhism, kya hai, Islam, kya hai, folk. Kya hai. I think over time, what has the more I've gotten into it, uh, I've, I've started seeing that boundaries are fluid. Clearly, you can't clearly distinct that where folk is finished and religious literature is finished, where Hinduism is finished and Sikhism These are very modern constructs. Like there, there was not so much inter-borrowing inter sort of, uh, that is happening, uh, which this narrative sort of misses out. Um, yeah, so I, I think, I mean, I'm not sure if, I, if I'm asking, uh, answering your question, but I feel like also, I think also when, so when I started doing this, I, I remember it was time, I think there were like a, 
a few. I mean, I, I know Salman Rashid, for example, uh, used to write a lot about history and folk. And I think he probably was the only sort of writer writing in English. Uh, and then I started writing it. And I think Pimajit uh, Sheikh's articles came to in dawn, so talking a bit about history and folk, but they went, the, the point was that particularly from a Hindu or a Sikh perspective. So uh, what I started doing at that point was that I started doing ethnographic work. So I started, I started visiting Hindu communities and Sikh communities in Pakistan and started writing about them. I think what has happened though in the past 10, 12 years is that there is now much more literature on it. I, I think there is definitely much more interest. So I see many more articles in dawn. I see many more articles in different newspapers and magazines talking about folk, taking a little more seriously. Um, and I feel like things have, things are changing. Uh, and you're absolutely right. I think there's still a dearth of literature. And I think one reason why I've written this is so much about this is that I essentially wanted to read all of this that I ended up writing. So I, I approached, essentially I approached my writing in a very simple manner in, in, the, in the sense that I would have liked to read yeah. all of this, which was not available to me to read. So now I'm going to sort of create that literature. Uh, and that's essentially my, my journey. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to kind of do it. Now, like you're answering your own question, basically. Wants and your needs and your curiosities and you're basically kind of solving for that. And I think that's truly where the passion and where the love kind of comes from and you can see it in the work. So, you know, what was, um, what was really interesting for me in this period as well is like, fluidity like the religious fluidity and, and the, the ethnic ethnic and the geographic kind of fluidity that exists in folklore and the, and the messages that kind of are able to kind of come through um, it tells you of the stories of the past as well right like Sikh Hindu Muslim and the amount of knowledge that you can extrapolate like you said from just a hundred page book or a pachas like that has been transcended. And within that, you're getting the, the knowledge of how people, like there was, there's an article that you had written about the River Chanab, and the amount of stuff that you learn from historical perspectives and from the religious perspectives and of just that, the, the heroism or the struggles and, and, and the lessons that they teach you know what I'd be very curious about is like, what is a comparative or a comparison in this day and age that is able to give you just as much? The poetry also tells you so many different things. If you, if you read a poem by Fez and you look at the context in which it was written, the Urdu in which it was written, there's so many different messages that go within it, right? So if we take those examples, I'd be very curious, like especially in, in, in the work that you're doing now, how do we extrapolate and how do we kind of compare what was and what is the kind of the derivatives these days? Yeah, I think, I think it's, a, it's a great question. It's something I've been thinking a lot about. I mean, right, so for example, um, like I think one of the biggest irony for that many educated kids, especially studying at elite universities or schools in Pakistan, which I, of course, am a part of, is that I mean, we're, we're taught Shakespeare at a very young age, for example, which is, which is absolutely brilliant. I mean, I, I studied Shakespeare in grade nine, let's say, and i be very honest, I didn't understand a word of Shakespeare at that point. And I don't think I've, anybody did, but that's not really the point. And I'm still sure that kids are taught. Now, increasingly, of course, as, as my understanding of literature has developed, like I really don't think 
essentially in many ways kids will not will be able to understand shakespeare and literature and his cultural references without really understanding the context of that culture right you can understand shakespeare for example many of his references without understanding greek mythology and etc etc right and i think that also applies for bullesha and shah hussain and varisha and everybody like that you can read bullesha today but you will not be able to understand many of his references because those references today will have no resonance with yeah. right with us right so for example there are many uh, references to small festivals to small melas to small small religious shrines that have now completely completely died away right so for example now you know if you are less than being raised in lahore or islamabad or karachi um and you are completely cut off from that folk culture which which is by design right which is how the colonial state and then the post colonial state sort of manufactured it aap khali pad lenge you can appreciate the words you can appreciate the rhyme but you don't know you won't really be able to understand a lot of sort of nuance that exists there to a point and that those cultural references and i think that's a big big sort of like i mean we 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 can't sort of talk about folk within that just as a vacuum like that folk exists as with with a sort of whole history right similarly agar aap aap faiz ki baat kare to faiz ki bhi aapko to really appreciate faiz ki to understand classical urdu poetry you have to understand the tradition that comes from ghalib that comes from meer and then you really understand ki the political reference jo hai wo kya wo kya hai right so for example agar shah hussain hai ya bulle shah hai ya warish shah hai agar heer ya raja ki baat karta hai so who is heer raja mai mean, for sure the story to wo hai exists karti hai but heer is also a symbol yeah. and raja is also a symbol and that symbol is something which has traveled to warish shah it, it took about 500 600 years the symbol pehle ek ek character tha but over time that symbol became a symbol of a deity and that symbol is also not coming from that symbol and of course is coming from the bhakti tradition of krishna and, and radha so ab hi ranja ki jo puri jo nuance hai just that one word of ranja ke ranja ranja kukti mein aap hi ranja hui like i mean that itself like okay sure you became ranja like we let's say it, when i first understood read that verse like aapko wo uski wo nuance samajh nahi aati ki point kya hai but then when you understand ki ye jo philosophical tradition hai iske piche uh, jo iske piche pura ek islamic philosophy of monoism uh, and essentially bhakti tradition jo hai of devotion and piety based religion then you sort of and when, when you come with that background then the beauty of folk sort of really then then that's where folk really illuminates in a way um, and i think that's a very important important thing ki aap khali hum literature ki hum folk ki on its own hum baat nahi kar sakte that folk is a product of a particular culture of a particular tradition of a particular philosophy and to really appreciate what that folk is um, we have to really get into we have to have that background so yeah. i'm actually very grateful that i'm let's say i'm i'm exploring varish after having worked on punjab after uh, in the past 12 years agar maine varish ko maine aaj se 10 saal pehle approach kiya hota to meri understanding bahut hi different hoti i think today i was able to understand sort of really bring in that understanding of punjab that through my work i've been able to sort of accumulate uh, and that's been very helpful I completely agree. Like, वो उसको contextualize करना is a very difficult and a daunting kind of task, ना? Like, लेकिन उस उसी उस on on the contrary side of it, I think it's still very beautiful to be able to pick up Shahjur Salo or any of these Bullesha ke kalams, and it still gives you a lot, even if sometimes you don't have that historical context and the nuances जो आपको नहीं बेशक पता हो जैसे like you've studied it for twelve years but if the, the stuff that I would be able to pull out will definitely not be the same as the the depth of knowledge that you'll have but there's still it, the, the beauty of these things 
for me, at least folklore has always been that no matter where you are on your journey to explore culture, ethnicity, all of these different things, it still is very enriching as an experience because there are lessons, there are things to be taken out which are so like deeply rich. Like you read it and be like, wow, I did not anticipate like this would be something that I would learn or this is something that would be applicable to today's world in that context. And it's still as just as important. Um, these days I've been like, I just bought a book of Shah Jorisalo that's translated and I'm like super excited to, um, to get the, the, the perspective of Sindh. Um, Harun, what I'd be really curious about is travel like whenever you do when you are doing field research, what are the like what is your procedure? What is the thing that you go for to kind of extrapolate when you go into let's say or like like what are the things that um, that are the, the, the top of your list? Like do you have like people to talk to, the way the questions that you ask, like what are some of the questions that you would ask, for instance? Like what is your yeah, way of doing research? I think I mean, first like, I mean, if, if I could just comment on, on your point, how when you approach four per day, of course, you can you can glean something which is very, very useful. I think I think that's absolutely correct. I think that's that's the beauty of literature where uh, where like where when you approach it and and if you approach that literature at a different time period. Um, you it, you can still find some resonance, right? So, for example, Bullisha was writing about challenging religious rituals in 1800 Kasur. Different context, pre-partition, different Muslim culture is still sort of the dominant culture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so, he's writing in a very different context. But you read Bullisha today with a very changed context, and there is still something about his message that that resonates. sort of resonates with us. And, and that's the that's the beauty of folk in that sense. Um, yeah, so coming to the second question, I think I think it really depends on what kind of research I'm doing, right? So for example, Chapelime ethnography karatha with with let's say the religious minorities, then it was a very structured way almost. I had a set of questionnaires that I would go in um, and sort of do a very interview kind of uh, research. But also having said that, I think I think I over time have realized that you just structured interviews and you can go in with your own set of interviews, but that becomes very problematic because a lot of times you are imposing your own understanding of a particular concept upon people. Uh, but when you approach a particular interview with a sort of a, just, just as a conversation and, and, and allowing that conversation to sort of flow into whatever direction it can go, and then sort of taking out your story from there, I think over time, something that I've realized, yeah, as opposed to going with my own understanding and my own questions, I just sort of go to a place. And if I have, and if, it's an, if, if it's an interview extensive kind of, paper or article that I'm writing, it's more conversational as opposed to um, sort of, you know, me going with my own questions. But also like, so a lot of my work also then does not really have interviews. So I mean, I would go to let's say Katasra, and I'm not really talking about people there. I'm talking about that particular place and its history. Uh, so I think a lot of times then it's a conversation that I'm having with myself. It's a conversation that I'm having with that place. Uh, it's almost like a it's, a, it's a very metaphysical sort of spiritual journey in that sense. Uh, and I'm using the word spiritual very carefully because, of course, it has its own connotations. But it's just hard to describe whatever. But, but the idea is that over time, I've also realized that a, a lot of travel journey that you do, uh, 
uh, especially travel writing and especially to heritage sites like a lot of that travel also happens internally yeah. like so there is a there is sort of a conversation that you're happening so so may i think increasingly what i've started doing is relying more upon my own sort of internal voice and having a conversation because my last book which was on lahore focused more on sites as opposed to people and interviews so us pe mera my entire conversation my entire procedure was about going to a place and essentially just just seeing how i feel about that place and 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 what is that what what is that place doing to me what kind of conversations am i having with that place um, and of course i mean more agar aap main agar kisi aur din jata wahan pe meri bilkul different conversation hogi and that's okay and that's that's the beauty of how this sort of work emerges so i think with with walking with nana ki i imagine your hobby which is my two last works because i'm talking more about the space uh then i sort of have a more internal journey and everybody hota hai ki wahan pe us space mein you somebody comes to you or you end up talking to somebody but it is not really planned but it just happens and then you have tea or you have a conversation with somebody and that conversation becomes very interesting because it tells you a different story about that place from a local perspective and then yeah. you can find a place in the story in the article or not but i i think i've i've increasingly sort of abandoned this journalistic approach of going to a place getting interviews which i find very problematic you know what i i i absolutely love that and and that approach resonates with me very much because when you are open the way the world kind of works ek to wo baat ho gayi ki aapne jo na apne andar conversation karni i completely believe that and i completely believe ke it 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 is how you are feeling how you are in your mind space in 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 the self um when you actually experience travel or a place or even a conversation because jo perspective aapko aaj milega wo necessarily kal nahi milega because you've learned some of the things or you've you know you're you're mentally in another space or in your heart you're in another place so i think that is like a very unique lens jo log apne dal sakte hain which i love um because you really get that unique kind of perspective rather than like you know wo ek sawal jawab sawal jawab sawal jawab which will give you a lot of depth maybe but it won't give you a more personal kind of approach to research or to a place now the other thing that i find um very fascinating is you know like there was like five years where i was just traveling with no purpose just like going around and like seeing how different countries different cities different places affect me um but you know it's it's really weird how one your perspective changes but also the 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 thing that you said ke you know randomly koi conversation ho gayi type bhi kisi ke sath and and it's really weird how sometimes the world works in a way where you have a question in your mind that you have kind of manifested and you go there and you end up meeting someone and the conversation just like gravitates towards the question that you had in your mind and it goes somewhere where like it just blows your mind like so many times i see harkatein hui hai mere sath which just i could never have previewed um again this was more on a personal basis but i'd love to kind of see what were some like did did this ever happen to you like does this resonate with you ke like you went and you had some kind of conversation or some kind of experience um and subsequently i'd like to ask you um about experiences actually what are three experiences that have changed your life the most yeah i think i think you're absolutely right and, and i'm also thinking in terms of like psychology so what happens is they say that so this is how i'll i'll explain it if if there is a conversation that i'm having with myself or there's a question that is sort of looking in my mind and i go to a particular place and i'm having a conversation with somebody about random thing i mean this that that sort of lurking thought will find a way to come out yeah. through my body language or through certain words 
Right. So for example, I'm thinking about this one uh, trip that I did to Kanganpur, which is a small city close to Kasur, and it's an old historical city. And I was there for a walking with Nanak. Um, and there's a very interesting story because Nanak essentially went, the story is that Nanak went to Kanganpur and the people of Kanganpur essentially rejected him because they thought he was a faith jogi or whatever. And they sort of threw stones at him and forced him to leave that place. Um, and Nanak then curses that place by saying that you should always be, that people of your city should grow, the city should grow. And the idea was, okay, the city grows, and the people of the city will not leave and they will not spread their evilness. Anyway, so I was, so I had read that story in the morning and I was traveling to Kanganpur. Um, and that story sort of was in my mind, Kanganpur, Nala cursed these people, these people, and these. So there was this idea that this And then so what, what it, was, it, was, it was interesting that when I'm there and I'm looking at, looking at Nanak's Gurdwara there and talking to a few people that I'm constantly approaching it through that lens, imagining Nanak must have come here and then interaction they did not really see him as whatever. Like, so like my entire conversation with, with anybody in that town was shaped by that experience yeah. that Nanak had, had written. Uh, and that was, yeah, I was, was sort of an interesting how, how my experience was shaped by his experience and now how I approached that. And then I go to this other place, who had blessed that place. approach very different. And, and those people are offering me chai. And I'm like, see, these are good people. And Kanganpur people. I mean, even though somebody offered chai there as well, but perception yeah. It's just like so an interesting sort of experience in that sense. Uh, and of course, that's happened a lot of times. I think for me, I think what, what has also happened, like especially with, with certain journeys, what happens like so. I mean, the, the, somebody like Nanak, for example, that I have loved and appreciated for such a long time, that even like somebody like Bhagat Singh, for example, who has had such an important impact in Lahore. And I was reading him at a very different point in my life and got really inspired by him in many ways. I think a lot of times my journeys become spiritual in the sense that when I go to a place that is associated with Bhagat Singh, that is associated with Nanak, and other people that I really admire, I almost feel like I am in their presence. I almost feel like, and not in a physical sense, but in a, and not in a chronological sense, but in a sense that I see history unfolding while it is there. So a lot of that work, of course, is very imaginative. So that, that's also the point. Like, and you are, you can physically observe a place and you can see nothing. You can see a horrible place. I'll give you one, one more example. Mm-hmm. Bhagat Singh is supposed to have been hanged and there's a demand to make that, to rename that chalk to Bhagat Singh chalk. That's a long demand. If you see the roundabout, it is such an ugly place. It is the ugliest roundabout in Lahore because it is hideous for all practical reasons. And then whenever, and I, of course, when I used to pass that chalk without being aware of that story, interaction but then when I read that story and when I engaged with Bhagat Singh, suddenly that entire, that same space becomes something else. It transforms into a beautiful place that I just want to be at all times. So what like interesting experience with that, yeah, your changing, knowledge, your own understanding, your what does your own imagination do to your perception of a city or a, a community or a, a locality? Um, so, uh, so, sorry, your second question was about three uh, interactions that- Three experiences that have changed you the most. I, I love this answer, by the way, like what you just said there, how, and it's so important perspective and then 
all of a sudden you like you flip and that's for me that's also like coming back to how we started this which is like preservation and being able to access more knowledge about pakistan and about our places and about our sites and like about our history because a lot of people i mean me included i don't i don't know jack like in you know the more i learn and the more people i talk to a lot of like there is it it's like people a lot of people are oblivious to a lot of our history and when you do give them that perspective you you kind of start to eradicate a little bit of the colonialism that the the effects of colonialism and bring back the pride into pakistan and to the the essence of this this area this land this the the geography and and the history so i, I like i really truly believe that that in, the importance of preservation not just for preservation's sake but also to kind of remove and unlearn the effects that colonialism have had um on us um and i think that is is extremely important um so thank you for that the question that was ke three experiences that have changed you the most yeah i think i think it's it's, it's hard to essentially pinpoint any three experiences and i think also ye bhi hota hai ke a lot of times you have these experiences and you don't even realize the importance of those experiences till after a long time right uh i know for example like i my meeting with ibal kesar is which is fundamentally changed uh how i approach my life in many ways usme ek i think jo unka like one thing that really stood out for me in that one lecture that he was giving at lams uh what I mean, was a lecture about sikh history of lahore but in that he mentioned uh thokar niyas peak jo ke lahore ke andar ek bada mashhoor ilaka hai aur motorway aur mera ghar jo hai uske kafi paas tha lahore mein us time um and i used to pass that place every day and agar aap thokar niyas peak dekha hai there's nothing extraordinary about thokar niyas peak right it's just this poverty ridden yeah. this pollution everything like jo aap typical aapki association hoti hai with a developing city or whatever it is um and he mentioned how thokar niyas peak was at point and one point in history was the capital of punjab for the for 6 months and suddenly i'm like what thokar niyas peak like you don't like what do you mean thokar niyas peak i think that just that one comment so i then went to him i'm like what do you mean and then he's like it's very bad prana he actually lahore it's not lahore se prana nahi but ye 500 700 saal prana ek gaon hai thokar niyas niyas peak over time jab sheher bada hua to wo pura jo ek gaon hai wo शहर के अंदर इनकॉपरेट हो गया तो अब हम वी डोंट थिंक अब न्यास बे की अपनी कोई डिस्टिंक्ट आइडेंटिटी नहीं है उसकी दैट आइडेंटिटी हैज बीन सब्स्यूम्ड बाय द सिटी ऑफ लाहौर व्हिच इज फॉर्चूनेटली अनफॉर्चूनेटली हैज हैपेंड विद मेनी अदर विलेजेस एंड टाउन्स अराउंड लाहौर आई थिंक सो देन आई टोल्ड हिम दैट मुझे आप प्लीज जब भी आपके पास टाइम हो मुझे कभी आप न्यास बे लेके जाएं आई वुड लाइक टू सी दिस ओल्ड बिल्डिंग्स एंड टेंपल्स आई थिंक दैट्स आई थिंक आल्सो इट्स ट्रैवलिंग थ्रू न्यास बे एंड आल्सो रियलाइजिंग कि ये चीजें जो मुझे वो दिखा रहे हैं या पुरानी बिल्डिंग्स या पुराने मंदिर like they always there but hamara wo ek jo ek maybe training aisi hoti ki we not meant to our engagement with the city essentially changes with where we are coming from to agar aap subah school ja rahe hain ya aapki wo focus hi nahi hai tareekh ki taraf ya we also think of history in pakistan we think of history as larger ek to hum european history ek to hoti hai world history right that ek world history then we think of history in, in india as a, as a big mogal history jo ke lahore fort of bashai masjid mein jaake khatam ho jati hai we don't think of how that history uh, plays out in smaller areas smaller towns in my surroundings and suddenly i started i started observing these historical sites around me so up my kaimi travel guru for example like that becomes my how i approach a city looking at older buildings looking at, looking at older trees looking at older shrines let's say things ever or things ever that that had had been there forever but my understanding and my approach to those places had changed 
I think it's more fundamental than I think also like I mean I can't really point pinpoint my finger on when that changed for me but I think my understanding of Sufi shrines really changed over the course of time I think because growing up in Pakistan growing up in an urban sunni middle class punjabi I mean, as privileged as one can be in Pakistan right growing up in that understanding of Sufi aapko Sufi shrines ka there's almost this looking down upon so the more educated you are the more looked down the, you you look down upon sufi shrines and of course it's also by design because idea is ye civilized islam nahi hai ye proper islam nahi hai and you know we're not following true religion um and that's kind of where i was coming from in in many places in many ways even if not let's say ostensibly but like that was how i understood and i think over time like my understanding of what is happening at sufi shrines has shifted has changed um it's it's hard for me to pinpoint a finger like to say exactly when that happened because i was i guess i was traveling to so many sufi shrines then that happened i think also like also thinking of sufi shrines is not just religious spaces but thinking of them as historical sites thinking of history through religion through sufi shrine through mounds i think uh, and, and then i also then see that connection between graveyards and sufi shrines okay i had this i gave this entire presentation a few months ago with the idea that hum you can really talk about the entire history of the city of lahore for example through its sufi shrines and and the sufi shrine and the connection between sufi shrines and hindu temples and sikh gurdwaras and and sort of graveyards they're all interconnected they're not they're not these silos but they are sort of all, always having conversation with each other that was a very important moment and i think also like i think me going to nankana sahib um, at uh, grunanak's big festival i mean i i think the first time i went there was in 2008 or 9 uh much before i started writing on gurunanak but i think that first trip in, in many ways really shaped really influenced me because here i was in a in a muslim country of course but then all around me were sikh devotees um talking about gurunanak and then so mere sab din then i said i for some reason i started traveling started traveling nankana sahib along uh, you know kafi jata mai karna shuru ho gaya and on one of these travels and what what used to happen was that i used to walk through nankana sahib um and i started imagining guru nanak and bhai mardana walking those same streets so bhai mardana was guru nanak's muslim devotee who traveled with him um so i started imagining him how he would have interacted with the city and essentially him being that same so just sharing that same space with somebody that i had admired and i was admiring like that itself was a very transformative experience um yeah that's awesome um i would love to see the presentation by the way and like i i i i'll ask you a couple of things afterwards as well like in like i want some of these resources man like where i can find um more of these stories like i i need to pick up your book i haven't read your book like and i need to pick up the nanak book because the stories that you're telling me sound fascinating and i've never been to the kartarpur corridor i've only been to punjab sahib but like getting this perspective and reading your articles and then going to these places like i can't wait when like lockdowns a little bit eased up i think they're getting there um harun aakhri sawal aapse hoga ke how do you unpack Pakistan, like in a quick. I mean, it's a very difficult way to kind of be able to do that. But how do you how do you do that to for someone who hasn't been to Pakistan in like a like a short way? Right. Um, I think also like it, it really depends. Am, am I talking to a white audience? Am I talking to somebody who's Pakistani origin but living not in Pakistan? So who, who am I? Who am I talking to here? I mean, actually, you know what? Like, I, no one has ever asked me that. So, and it's fascinating because I would even also growing up never want to come to Pakistan. So I would be more curious about how do you do that for Pakistanis themselves 
or expand? Yeah, I think, yes. yeah, because well, then it just, the whole conversation changes, right? Because how Desi Pakistanis view Pakistan in different parts of the world is, is shaped by, I mean, there, there is still a constant engagement with Pakistan at some level, even if you're not actively involved, like you still have some understanding of what is happening in the country, the news or et cetera, et cetera. And of course, a white audience or a non-Pakistani audience will have a very different interaction perception of the city, of the country, sorry. Um, yeah, but I think, I think what, and, and what is really happening, I think, I think globally and, and sort of people not living in Pakistan, let's say Canada or the US, I think what has happened in the past one year, particularly with Black Lives Matter. Um, and I don't know if you're following them in Canada, maybe this is a huge indigenous, they found graves of yeah, 215 graves. Yeah. yeah, so so there is a whole conversation that has been happening. And of course, with Gaza and, and Israel as well, like, there's a whole conversation that has been happening in, in many parts of the world about colonization, about decolonization and the need to decolonize. Um, and of course, there are some spaces that need physical decolonization and indigenous experiences in Gaza, of course, are examples of that. Kashmir is an example of that. But then, then of course, we have societies like Pakistan, for example, or India and other places, which, which have been decolonized, but a lot of those structures of colonization mm -hmm. still continue to exist. And it is also very interesting how those structures exist through our education, how those structures exist through our police system, through our judiciary, through everything, right? And I think that's where the need to decolonization really, really needs to begin, right? Um, I think Mera, I was talking with a friend of mine recently and, and the whole idea was, once again, I mean, I keep on coming back to Vaira because that's something I'm thinking a lot about. So I don't know, are we, are, were you educated in Pakistan or were I you was, educated in my, Like I just moved to Pakistan two months ago. I was outside right. the whole, my whole life. I was in Canada and I was in Dubai. Right. Um, yeah, so I mean, if you talk to a lot of people who did their O-levels in Pakistan or in Urdu, I don't even know and Shah Wali. Like, like yeah, and, and that's okay. Like he's he's actually not a very important figure in that sense, but he's become a very important figure. So Shah Waliullah is both an Islamic scholar who's living around the same time as Varashah. Okay. And 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 he's living in Delhi and Varashah is living in Kasur on Punjab. So understanding of religion his understanding of religion is very fluid and he he's bringing everybody together and in many ways that reflected the religiosity of Punjab that's the, that's the pre-colonial Punjab beautifully is writing at the same time sitting in Delhi uh, and he's writing in Arabic and Persian, right? So he's he's an elitist, Balsha is Punjabi, writing in Punjabi, whereas he can write these languages, but he's still writing in Punjabi. And Shabalullah around the same time, he's saying that Islam and religion has been corrupted, and we need to remove all these Hindu and Hindu influences that have existed. And that's the reason why the Islamic rule is being threatened. And he then thinks of M. Shabdali, we will never be able to become good Muslims and whatever. Right? So you can see his understanding of Islam and religion is the exact opposite of what Warishas is. Now, at that point, nobody cared about Chavaliullah because he was such a peripheral figure. But and Warishas ideology is the mainstream understanding of religion. Like far forward all these years, 200 years, Today, our, our kids in Pakistan are taught Shah Waliullah and they are not taught Varisha. 
and the reason and and the same question comes every year in o level urdu shah waliullah unko kuch bhi yaad nahi unko shah waliullah yaad hota hai which is why like why not like why don't have a chapter on war so why isn't there a chapter on war shah in lesson not even lesson urdu nahi hai punjabi nahi hai pakistan studies mein bolle shah pe chapter kyun nahi hai shah hussain pe chapter kyun nahi hai par shah waliullah pe kyun hai because his understanding of religion essentially mm-hmm. aligns with how you want religion to be seen in pakistan um which is which is of course very very problematic right so i think that so essentially decolonization really needs to happen so my sort of my unpacking would be that how we understand pakistan and how we understand its culture and how we understand its religion and history and everything is shaped by that colonial enterprise and 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 we and, and that really needs to sort of it, it it's really magnificent it's not just about color it's not just about black and white and brown and racism of that sense which of course exists which is of course even older than colonialism in south asian anyways but how we understand ourselves and our history and our languages all of those are shaped by that colonial enterprise and that continues to impact and in, in in many ways it's still it's much more powerful than it ever was because uh, the state had the state has become much more powerful the education structure has now spread so the more educated you yeah. get the more colonized you get Yeah, this is Asian about you. Yeah, like you have. It's not just a gown that you're doing it now. You're doing it on a masser, like a mass scale. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that that'll be my sort of unpacking. Okay, our understanding of Pakistan as history needs to be decolonized. In education, I see as the primary space where that happens.